Hello, I'm Gemma Crane. Welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. The Dublin International Comedy Film Festival is running for its second year from Thursday the 20th to Saturday the 22nd of January 2022 with a brilliant programme of films and events. We are delighted to chat with filmmakers Bevan Naughton, Adam William Cahill and Lara Cassidy, as well as producer and writer Len McKeegan about their very versatile projects which are screening at the festival. I'm going to do a little round table. I'm going to ask you guys to um, introduce yourselves a little bit and your project, if that's okay. So I'm going to go with you, Bevan, first. Um, so yeah, I'm a 24-year-old first-time filmmaker. This is my first short. It kind of came out of a point of complete creative struggle during the pandemic when everything can kind of fall apart. And uh, my friend, who's a very talented writer, who just finished her master's in screenwriting, handed me her script and that's how we came about Every Limerence Helps. So it's just a little comedy drama trying to make light of the pandemic and yeah just make you laugh at how ridiculous the whole situation is. And very very funny. <laughs> Thanks so much. And what's your own background actually? Well I graduated a couple of years ago and I just went straight into visual effects uh, production side so I've actually just been working in visual effects since um, I recently moved over to London to continue that. So I was really glad to be able to make this short before I left because I wouldn't have had the kind of community base, I guess, that I had in Dublin to do it. And Len? Um, okay. Uh, Len McKeegan, uh, producer and writer of Tracy Martinez's uh, Cape Breton Christmas, which is a parody of those old uh, quaint Christmas specials like uh, Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby used to have. Uh, they feature, it features two over-the-top stereotypical Nova Scotian characters called Tracy Martina, uh, one of which is a drag queen and the other one is sort of, is a woman who's dressed up as a drag queen, which is really hard to describe, but uh, that's it. My background is, uh, I started as an accountant and, naturally morphed in the comedy as a producer and writer. Would it have been an accountancy in the film industry or would this have been a passion that you always would have been pursuing on the side? Uh, the second one. The, yeah, it was always sort of in the background and I was, I, had, I was part of an improv troupe while I was working for the government doing accounting. And eventually I just decided to, was able to, to switch the passions. Not accounting isn't a passion, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yes, it is. So it's a job, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it, it, it's very useful. Yeah, it's very useful because uh, a lot of our, uh, yeah, our financing is uh, made up a lot of tax credits and government uh, government numbers. So, yeah, definitely useful. And we'll go to you, Adam, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a Dublin-based filmmaker, but I got my um, my film production degree from the University of Wolverhampton. Um, and then as soon as I had finished with the course, I wanted to immediately get into um, into the swing of things in terms of, of getting uh, films out there. I was and I intended on making a short film, um, but um, the the lead actor in in Follow the Dead, Luke Horcrin, came to me with a short film idea that he had basically dreamt up one night. And um, over the course of time, he allowed me to take that story and turn it into a feature film. Um, so it's uh, Follow the Dead is a feature film about millennials dealing with a zombie apocalypse. And when I say dealing with, I mean basically sitting around doing nothing, expecting the government to deal with things. 
and uh, not taking responsibility for themselves until it's too late. Um, so that's what like the initial idea from Luke's short script. That's what really jumped out at me more than anything. It wasn't that I wanted to make a zombie movie. It was just that zombies represent trauma incarnate for me. And so that's where I, that that the idea of millennial, the way millennials would deal with trauma is what really gripped me about it and made me want to turn it into a hundred page script. So that's what materialized in the end. Okay, well, th- that's very interesting. And what's your own background then? Um, so I initially um, kind you of I once graduated in 2016. I saw that and it was yeah. Wolverhampton. So is that the course that begins in Ireland and finishes in Wolverhampton? Well, it depends on what way you want to do it. Um, I was able to skip the first year of the of the course in Ireland because I had already made a load of short documentaries. So when I came in to do my interview, they said, I don't think that you should really do first year. We, we're we're going to have to you know, see if you're if you're interested in just jumping straight into second year go for it. I was like, okay, fine. I'm a, I'm a sink or swim kind of guy. So I was like, okay, grand. So I did two years um, with Kalash the Dulig. Um, and then you have the option then of either traveling over to Wolverhampton to do the final year there, or they do have a kind of a correspondence course where you still operate within the Kalash the Dulig campus. Um, but they have the, the Wolverhampton teachers teaching here. So that was obviously an easier option for me to just kind of stay where I was and um, yeah, so the degree is from the University of Wolverhampton, but thankfully I was able to I was able to study here and stay at home and save mm. some money. <laughs> yeah, not go to Luton. What <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> while I'm chatting with you, we'll keep on that topic. So this actually was a very polished film, um, like, and it's not easy getting a feature across the line uh, visually either. So tell me a little bit about how you put the funds together to it and. Initially, um, because, you know, it was my first feature film right out of college. I didn't I wasn't expecting it to turn out uh, to be what it was, to be honest. I I invested a certain amount of my own money um, thinking that I was going to shoot it all myself. I initially started out with just me and a DSLR camera um, with a little microphone on top. And we were literally like I was lighting. I bought a load of equipment. Um, I was lighting the scenes myself. I was basically doing all of the behind the camera jobs. And we shot about 60 percent of the film. And after seeing the quality of the performances that we were getting and kind of realizing, no, this could be so much more. I decided, I said to the guys, look, I'm really sorry, but would you mind coming back in a few months time and shooting everything again? And I will get a much, much bigger team together. And gratefully, like they were so much more excited about the prospect of it being a bigger project than they were about having to do everything all over again. You know, they're actors, they want to act. So it was, it was fine. And then we basically treated the, we shot in April initially and we treated the April shoot like it was a rehearsal then. And so when we came back to shoot everything in August, I got a, uh, I got, a, a, I got a crew in, um, but I like, I was, I'm so thankful that I was able to get uh, my cinematographer, Stephen C. Walsh on board. So I showed him what I had already shot. Um, and, and he, thankfully I was, I was able to use that as kind of bait, you know what I mean? He, so he, he saw it and he was like, okay, yeah, now I see what you're doing, but it, obviously he knew with the skills he had, he could take it to a whole other level. Um, and yeah, so when, once he came on board, he was, you know, he was my Lieutenant out on the battlefield. It was just, there was anything that I, I wasn't completely sure of, but the fact that he had so much experience, it wasn't his first rodeo. Um, it really kind of uh, helped us to collaborate in, in a way that um, I think that 
the yeah the production value we got in the end was it just it it, it blew my mind because I certainly wasn't expecting to, to make something like that straight out of college you know what I mean so um yeah it's, it's I'm massively indebted to him and then I think um the uh, Margot Cullen was my production designer who I got in to basically you know the family home the, the vast majority of the film takes place within this family home and um she made it look re- looked really really lived in um having having read the script probably over and over she really got to grips with, with, with the characters and their personalities and so she decorated each of their rooms uh based on what you know how she felt the characters would really kind of you know do so and and uh the living room you know just is covered in uh posters of of all of these really old school films that the uh that the two stoner characters would obviously have been crazy about um so like from the yeah cinematography production design and then just immense acting I think um we yeah we we ended up with something it was just on a whole, like it was just way superior to what we had initially thought we were getting involved in. Oh, that was quick. Ah, uh, well, I want me to head out with you. Why? Where are you going? Mrs. Mooney's again. She called, but I couldn't make out a word she was saying. Why was it a bad line? No, it was fine. She was just incoherent and making strange sounds, like a goose molesting a wasp's nest. I reckon that woman has a touch of dimension. Sounds like she needs to get into a home. She needs to find herself a job and stop arsing around the house all day. Well, you're not going over there on your own, are you? Well, I can't leave the old girl all alone. All the emergency services out cleaning up after Slipknot. No, you can't. We'll all go together. Safety numbers. Be careful. I'm Len. So this is this is what I'm very interested in because your film is so or your piece is so quirky and fun, but it doesn't slot into like what you would expect. Was this broadcast on um, local television or what was the aim of this when you were kind of putting it together? Or the, the inspiration. Um, the audience. It, it, the, the two lead characters are, are people that I, I sort of found when I was doing a, a, another producing another TV show. And I want to work with them on something. And uh, the final product is available on a streaming service called Swearnet. And uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. There's a TV show here that's been very popular for 20 years called Trailer Park Boys. Mm. And it's about uh, these guys that just hang out and they live in a trailer park and they sell dope. And that's basically the premise of the show. So uh, I, I pitched the, the, the owner of Swearnet on, on this show because it's sort of uh, sort of in the same vein. But uh, uh, he said he said sure, and he has a distribution company, so they funded uh, most of the money. And then in Canada, we use uh, tax credits, both federal and provincial, to to make up the rest of the of the financing. That's great. And do you go with them? Do you go to your distributor? Obviously, if you've connections and you're working with other projects, because it's just interesting to see how um, that side of things works. Do you go with a pitch document? Do you go with a full script? Do you go with um, a kind of a, a Bible of sorts? How do you kind of like what's your step into financing something like this? Um, the thing with our two lead characters, they're Tracy and Martina, the characters, and they had developed, they've been doing their own YouTubes. They uh, like they would improv their own YouTube videos and they had a bit of a following already. So I, I talked to them and talked to them about the show. And then I was able to, I basically it was a one page idea 
and uh, talked to the uh, owner of SwearNet, and he, he was easily able to Google them and, and see their stuff. And I think that was the, that convinced them. So I didn't have to do a whole lot of selling because they they're already out there. Fabulous. And is there much like, I mean, something like this, that's so based on humor and timing um, and the characterization of these. <laughs> I love the, I love the world as well. Like I love the couple on the way to the car. There's such there's such a kind of truthfulness <laughs> to the ridiculousness yeah. of it. It's, it's really enjoyable to watch. I'm just wondering how much of that is sort of developed as your working with the characters or how much of that was sort of like firmly locked into your mind before you even started shooting um i would say about 60 to 70 percent of what landed on the screen was scripted but the thing about tracy and martina is that they're really good at improv i mean that's that's their bread and butter that's what they they they, they like to do so once we uh started shooting we shot it in five days uh, we got all the the basics done, and you know we would do they would do like two two or three takes to make sure we got everything story wise, and then they would just have fun. But they would also uh, improve the, the the script as they went along. In the because they're very distinct characters too, their their own twist on things was you know just something you can't you can't put down on paper. Yeah, know? they have they have a real. Um the chemistry between them like a very oh, yeah. natural sort of <laughs> like bitchy frustrating chemistry like it's, again that's kind of the reality of the situation yeah. um so i know when things like that when you're kind of coming putting a pitch together and then the reality of it can shift quite a bit is there anything that you had to compromise on um no not really it actually was a fairly uh uh Paying free shoot, like, like I said, we shot in August, and uh, when I had pitched the uh, the executive producer, uh, you know, we we did all the paperwork and everything, and he said, "Okay, I don't want to hear from you until you're done," which was like, "Okay, that's great. I don't have anybody looking over my shoulder," and uh, we had a, a great a great crew, and uh, you know, I can't say there was any major stumbles luckily cross you know fingers crossed look come in hi sexies it's tracy hon and i'm your girl martina i thought you were santa claus for a second but you're almost as good glad you made it though before the storm started and the road started getting right slick oh my god speak of the devil oh well for jesus sake come on in you are letting the heat out oh yeah ma's inside so i got the furnace on cremate but there's lots of food hope you're hungry let's go I'm gonna um, move on to you, Bevan. If that's okay, tell me about um, putting together every limerick helps. Well, yeah, it's a, it was a much shorter film. Obviously, it's the best part of nine minutes. Um, and I think I had a sort of a similar experience to Adam in that when we started this out, it was very much well for us. It was very much on a whim, and I was planning in my head for something a lot less polished, <laughs> a lot more thrown together than it ended up being. Um, it all started when we got our our lead actress involved and it snowballed from there because she had so many contacts that she could bring on board. Um, so she basically sort of cast the rest of the, the film and also got our cinematographer on board. And with a lot of goodwill, <laughs> we made this, <laughs> put this all together. And yeah, it was really down to 
you know who they knew and bringing people on and we bashed it out in just two days took a couple of weeks of planning but um any costs that were put into it just came out of myself and the writer's pocket shannon so between the two of us you know we did what we could but after that we were completely reliant on people to just pull together and they really really did and it was like fantastic it absolutely wouldn't have happened without just people backing us um and so we didn't we thought about doing a gofundme or trying to get some funding but when it came down to it we just found that you know we were all passionate about it and we thought it would be fun to do and it was at that time in the pandemic where things weren't fun anymore the novelty had worn off completely <laughs> so everyone was really trying to you know do something new and do something different um so thankfully shane robinson our cinematographer just managed to kind of pull it out of the bag um he did all the lighting and completely just made transformed the space and made it look like something i could never even imagine you know in my wildest dreams i was pulling ideas out of my head and he was just saying fine let's do it um so super super grateful for that um but yeah it was really not my intention to have something so something that i thought we could actually enter into festivals like this um but i was so glad that we we did in the end and that everyone just got behind it you know no questions asked and you have had a good festival run of it like it has screened at a good few things because i think the competition for especially short films at the moment is insane like they're getting refused that had you know kind of decent screen ireland budgets from a lot of festivals yeah for sure i mean we didn't really know what to expect in that regard and we were sort of hoping that this would be like a little quirky comedy that would just add a little bit of comic relief but it turned out that a lot of people had a very similar take on the pandemic and uh, we tried not to like hone in on the COVID thing too much it's obviously part of the story but we didn't want it to be overwhelming because at the end of the day we hear so much about it that that's not really the focus of the film the focus of the film is the people and their experience but um like the the word COVID is never used (laughs) it's just alluded to but it seemed like everyone got this sort of creative burst at the same time and yeah there was a lot of very similar themed shorts as well um which was great i mean it was really nice to see such similar work come out but yeah for sure it was uh it was tough there was definitely tough competition out there yeah but it but it has done very well and i must say there's something that really stands out about it um that that it it's very refreshing as well and it's a testament to you as a as a director but it's the pacing was very good like that it was just the perfect length it had those beats of humor were were just on point it's like sometimes things can be too fast or too slow or to or have like this thing and i'm like and especially in, in short film um i think it's it, it's definitely like an easy thing to do but i'm i'm just like you know you're you're watching it and and like that like you're in that moment you're watching it it's enjoyable this that like how did you like was that something you kind of consciously worked on with the editor or is that something that you would naturally have yeah it was definitely um a process and uh luckily our cinematographer is very multi-talented so he also edited but um 
he was very patient with me because there was a lot of back and forth <laughs> but i found that when i watched the first cut that um the main character is just so endearing and um katrina williams just does such a great job that i felt like i wanted to see more of her um which i thought was a good thing but i was very hard to to strip that back because we wanted obviously to leave you wanting more rather than to leave you bored so it is for sure a very fine fine balance but um yeah i thought that was a good sign that any of those any of those beats because it is mainly her on screen and that's a lot to carry um but i think it is down to the script as well you know shannon does a really great job of bringing you up to the highs and then down to the lows and kind of bringing you along for the ride until you obviously have your kind of climatic point but yeah there's there was a few shots that took um you know 20 odd takes to get the timing right <laughs> and that's where i uh i really put my foot down but thank goodness that the team were so patient with me and i think that it paid off in the end yeah that's um no it's it's beautiful like it's really really lovely what the You're all right, Lauren. I, I can't. Lauren, I, are, are you hurt? I, I, stop moving. You might be concussed. Let me, let me get you to a hospital. No, stop. Stop. Look, I need, I need to tell you something. Tell me what. I also wanted to, I'm, I'm going to, I'll go back. I'll start with you, Bevan. But I just wanted to talk through the process of shooting um, in the in the midst of the pandemic as well. Like, did that affect it much? Was there much, did you have your onset COVID officer? Was there issues posed by this? I know yeah. crewing everywhere is a, is a hassle. Absolutely. And we did keep the team, the crew is very small, you know, and that was the benefit of having such multi-talented ca- like crew coming in and, you know, even the cast were able to double up and, and do some of the work behind the scenes so that we didn't have too many people. Um, yeah, there was COVID testing and three of us had done um, the kind of screen, screen Ireland COVID compliance officer the, anything that we could to make sure that we we're all above board but it didn't mean we weren't stopped by the guards the odd time and thankfully the restrictions were you know supportive of filming as like a form of communication and you know through the whole pandemic i was still working in my job full time um so this is very much done on a weekend from that point of view as well and what's, but, um, what's your job I, i'm a visual effects coordinator oh yeah brilliant so um, I was in an office in the city centre, you know, every day. Um, so it was <laughs> it was a tough balance. But yeah, I think we just did our best. I mean, a lot. some of it was filmed outside as well, which was great and it was very easy. But then we were restricted to a small cottage. And yeah, it's not, it wasn't built to be filmed in. <laughs> it was a very tiny stony batter cottage. Um, but keeping the team small and just being clever about it and just not taking any risks. I think it it paid off. And yeah, we were, you know, very conscious of people in the area as well and and making sure that everyone was sort of comfortable with it. But yeah, it wasn't easy. (laughs) It had its challenges, but I think that, um, I mean, it was a great learning experience from that point of view, for sure. Brilliant. And actually I'll go back to you, Len. Um, Just, so when was this filmed and how, did you have any difficulties posed by that? You mentioned crewing. Um, 
we shot, it was August of 2020, and it was filmed on a, on a soundstage, or a, we had one set, so we didn't really have to, there was no outside, there was no uh, traveling or anything. So once we were in there together, we were all there together. We had a, uh, a nurse who was uh, keeping an eye on things and explaining and watching, making sure at that time, the restrictions was no more than uh, 15 people together at the same time. And our crew was small, so that, was, that wasn't the problem. But uh, yeah, that was, it didn't, it, it, we didn't have that much, that many issues with the, with the COVID restrictions. And, and we'll go to yourself, Adam, what about you? We didn't, um, Follow the Dead was shot in 2017. So uh, like the reason that we're only releasing it, uh, we only released it last year is, is just due to the fact that, um, again, not realizing what we had initially. And, and, and how the teams worked so well. Oh man, <laughs> that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> that was just completely fortuitous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, so like in 2017, we shot it. And then I realized after the fact, like, oh, I need, I also need a huge budget for post-production that I just didn't, I didn't set aside, you know, first film, neophyte, I had no idea what I was doing. So it ended up being a case that I had to then spend time saving again, you know, working my day job, which was as an English teacher. Um, and uh, and then, you know, once I, I had accumulated a sufficient funds, I was able to kind of get rolling again with uh, sound design that was done by Robin Sherry Wood. There were like to explain the kind of um, the, like the amount of work he had to do. There's a scene right like the very, very first scene in the film is the date scene in the car. That entire thing, none of the sound that's in that scene was actually shot on the day. Everything is reconstructed from the ground up. So we did ADR for the dialogue, all of the sounds of like the chairs shuffling and the clothes moving and shifting and the kissing and like, and the music and the coming out of the radio, it's all done in, in post in post. So like he had a, a serious amount of work to do. So that'll show you the kind of, you know, like I, it, it, there was a lot of, a lot of work that had to be done. So it did require a significant time to come up with the funds for it. The sound mix is great. Like I, I just noticed there was a few like even comedic moments just put in, just layered in. And yeah. I was like, that's really nice. <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah, Robin and I worked on that for, for a few months, um, kind of fine tuning bits and pieces. And and I'm really, really indebted to him for, for, for what he did because he's, he's an incredible talent. And then Stephen McKenna uh, from Driven Pictures. Um, he's a director in his own right, but he also does music. So he did the score for <laughs> Follow the Dead. So I sat down with him and I said, look, I need three different themes. I want a zombie theme. I want a vigilante theme. There's obviously, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen the film, there are other villains apart from the zombies in the movie. And then I want a love theme for the protagonist with all the, it's not like love in terms of like romance, but more like with the women in his life. So he has the, the, the song plays when he's with his sister, as well as being with his, with, with his, um, his ex. And, um, and so the music, uh, again, it's one of those things where once the music was put on the film, it really, it, it really made me feel so so sure about um, how we were able to combine the drama with the with the comedy because the music was able to kind of have an ebb and flow in such a way where I, I don't I don't feel like it's jarring anyway. Do you know what I mean? It goes from the serious moments to the to the lighthearted moments kind of seamlessly. Um, the music did, did a lot for that. So there's so much work goes into post production that obviously like now I'm totally aware for the for the next feature you got to put a serious amount of budget aside to make sure you get all that done right. Um, so yeah, that's why we only released it last year. And then obviously the fact that it was released during a pandemic and it's a film about a zombie apocalypse, which is a, a pandem pandemic of its own. Um, it sort of kind of became so much more relevant um, than, than it would have done had we'd released it a few years earlier. 
Um, I think people kind of uh, definitely saw a, a connection there with especially the way that people react in those situations. You know, there you've got it's such polarity, people saying this is not that big a deal. You know, why is everyone making a big scene over it? You've got other people who are going manic and saying, no, this needs to happen and that needs to happen. And, and, and so, fake news, of course, the classic, classic line. And people trying to become celebrities by using it as a you know, source of uh, material for their, for their uh, TikTok videos or whatever it is they're doing, do you know what I mean? So it's like it, it kind of, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh yeah, this is the, uh, you know, uh, nobody wanted the, the, the pandemic to happen, but it was a sort of a fortuitous thing where suddenly the Fall of the Dead did become more relevant as a result, so which worked out in the end so we have a a very special guest Lara's the director yes she'll she'll answer questions about the technical aspects more than (laughs) I will so so welcome welcome and it's it's lovely to have have you in and um so we've all done a little bit of a of an introduction so I I might get you if it's okay to um just say a little bit about yourself and your role on um your the piece that you the beautiful funny piece that we all watched thank you <laughs> thank you uh, well Lara Cassidy the director and um yeah I, I'm I'm glad to hear you say it was funny <laughs> because not because I don't think it's funny I do um but we wonder when we do these things how people are going to receive them and you don't know until you actually get some audience feedback and this is humor that's very regional in Canada and that was a concern for us as to whether or not it was going to be well received outside of the borders of Cape Breton and Nova Scotia so it was a a real pleasure to find out about this and uh yeah great to have it in the festival definitely well it is it, it does definitely travel they are familiar characters I hadn't googled what it was first and just popped it on and then I thought, are these Irish people doing American accents? <laughs> what am I watching? And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I stopped and then I was like, I'm going to Google this and just check. Because <laughs> I, I actually thought it was two Irish people doing an American accent, but doing it just a little bit off. And I was like, they have to work on their American. And then I was like, oh, no, no, of course. <laughs> it's, of course. <laughs> so well, so then- like, my thing, but my thing is, was it feels familiar like those do feel familiar so there's definitely like it, it travels but whether or not it travels because of their celtic stereotypes that we know well right well that, and that's an interesting very interesting point and the music too would be pretty celtic we know our we know our fiddles yes <laughs> very good fiddle <laughs> Well, that's good to know. I, I was very excited. I have Irish roots. So when Len sent me the uh, the link that it had been accepted into this festival, I was like, yes, <laughs> that's amazing. So wow. when I was looking for uh, for festivals to to put it in, I, I sort of avoided the United States because I don't know if they would get it. But I drifted. I That's why I sort of went looking in Scotland and Ireland and in England because I thought, they might they might get this they might you know yeah i was glad to see we got we got into the festival yeah it's really good anyway and and just to give a a kind of a brief shout out we'll do a kind of bigger shout out at the end but it's the dublin international comedy film festival Mm -hmm. um and it's again it's it's 
three days, a load of hilarious, hilarious films and, and such different flavors. That's what I that's what I really enjoy about it. Like we have and even in this podcast, we have such different flavors of films. It was really it was an enjoyable kind of mix to watch. <laughs> Um, but yeah, actually, tell me a little bit, Lara, just before we move um, back in, I'm going to I'm going to ask everybody a little bit about um, the editing process, because Adam touched on it. But with yourself, I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about your own background in film and then um, just a bit about the directing process of this. Oh, sure. Um, I've, I've, I'm a little bit older, so I have a long history. <laughs> Um, I started, um, well, gosh, Len's heard it a hundred times, I'm sure, because we've been working together for a while, but I started um, as a makeup artist in the industry, and then I um, switched to becoming an agent, and I was an agent for 11 years, and then I started moonlighting as a music video director, and then I went from music videos into opening my own production company, where I've done a little bit of everything, you know, commercials everything and uh, then started doing some short films and short films and drama and mostly comedy based I had a couple of um, comedy viral type of successes and then um, yeah and started working with Len I haven't done a feature this is probably the um, longest piece I've done actually and then we went into a series so this this um Christmas special has moved on into a six part series as I'm sure Lynn has, has probably mentioned. No, that was a surprise. Not yet. It's, it's in the can and it's airing already. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And is it like a variety style piece or has this changed in format a little bit? It's changed in format. It's just the, the girls and the comedy and their situations. So there's no music and no puppets, (laughs) but the rest of it's pretty much the same. Um, And a few more locations, obviously. To, to keep it interesting. So, um, you know, my directing process on this has been amazing because uh, I have great scripts to work with, which is really, for me, um, you have to have it on the page. And then my job, I think, as a director is to expand upon the humor and find the funny moments. And you also do that in editing as you bring up editing. So um, the editing, editing process was great. We have a show here in, um, in Canada called the Trailer Park Boys, which is, yeah. kind of, it was originally created by Mike Clattenburg, who's um, pretty well known here on, on this side. And um, yeah, we had a lot of our local crews, including myself, were working on that show. So I, I happened to know the editor and um, yeah, actually on the Christmas special, it was a different editor who works under the Trailer Park Boys umbrella. So both, editors for both the series and for this particular uh, Christmas special have uh, great backgrounds in successful Canadian comedy. So for, for me, it was very much a dream. Because <laughs> you, you walk in and they get the humor. We, we all share a sense of humor. So mining the footage is the first thing that I do and I give them the points, but um, yeah. I mean, when you have people experienced in comedy and you, have, you share a sense of humor, then the rest kind of falls into place. So actually, this is perfect for that process conversation. So Len, you had mentioned 60% of this was on the page before um, you started filming. So so does that mean there was an element of sort of mockumentary? So does that change the tone even or the the flow of it quite a bit in the edit process? So the two of you can answer together. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I didn't really get involved in the editing just that's, because I, that's very restrained for a producer. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'm I'm really hands off because I I just don't uh, I don't get it. That's I know it sounds weird. Uh, I I just. Lara is the expert, and I just let her do it. Same with directing; she didn't get any notes from me. I just like. And the director, who's also the writer, like that is that is real. <laughs> well, well, I, I enjoy that. <laughs> he well for for me because um, the the two lead characters and Len are the writers of the show, so like he said, it's you know they they do most of the work ahead of time, and then I get in there you have to, you know, when you're working with the actors that then you find how the joke lands. You don't want it to be shticky, although the, our show is purposely very shticky. But um, it's deadpan as well, which is one of the most enjoyable things. Oh, I love a little deadpan. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, sorry, I'm not quite together yet today, but um, a Len's a dream producer because he really did just leave me alone and I was like where's Len wait don't complain (laughs) just don't complain Lara um yeah I think it's really working with the actors isn't it to find it so but without a good script it would take you wouldn't be able to get anything shot because you spend so much time trying to find the jokes that and then they would always fall flat so Tracy and, or excuse me, Justine and Greg also, I mean, they've been doing these characters for a while. So they are also very uh, open to notes and suggestions. And Yeah, I mean, the thing about writing for, for writing the Christmas special is that we're starting with two very well-defined characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you didn't have to, you didn't have to understand them you didn't have to create anything. They were there and you could just play with them, you know? Yeah, I mean, when, whenever you're directing, I, I agree, they know their characters so well that even if I gave them a note and it wasn't within their character's real reality, they would be like, I don't know if Martina would say that. Martina would put it this way. So we didn't do any table reads ahead of time, mostly because we just didn't have time. I, I, like all of our schedules kind of came. I mean, I think Len, you put this whole production together inside of two weeks. It was yeah. nuts. <laughs> like he had, they had the script and uh, they, or they had the script and the script was still being changed. I think the day before uh, the, yeah, yeah, it, they were literally kind of hammering up and still jip rocking the walls as we started shooting. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. So we didn't have the time, but they really do know their characters and, the, the nice thing also about this Christmas special is we knew we weren't working with actors in terms of like we had musicians to work with. Um, in the case of Heather Rankin, uh, she's a well-known musician here. So, and she also has a lot of acting experience. And I know Heather from the years gone by from the music video days. So I, it was really easy to walk on set and know that I had Heather to work with. And she's just a cutie and I knew she would bring some energy to it. So I think knowing your, knowing your characters as an actor is obviously very important. And as a director, it was great knowing the actors and knowing the non-actors in the group. And then it was really fun trying to figure out who are you gonna put where in order to make it believable and to support them 
enough that they aren't nervous about speaking lines or, or, you know, just make them comfortable enough. And we, we shot over five days and it very much became a family, a very, like as films do, whenever you're on a film set, you always become a family, but it, it was just such a unique experience with the musicians, dancers, <laughs> comedians, uh, well, really well-known comedians on this side too. So I, it was kind of a dream to work with Bette McDonald. Oh, and uh, all of them really. Like I could just, I don't want to start rattling off the cast names. <laughs> I was really, really lucky when I walked on set every day. But, uh, no, but that's that's lovely. And actually, there's a few things in there I'll, I'll kind of go back to and ask generally. But Bevan, I know we touched on the editing and you were saying that your um, DOP was very talented and edited as well. Was there anything that you had to say cut or change when you were going through the, the edit process or you were saying as well that you were really happy with elements of the design? Was there anything that I don't know, like had you been given more time and more money, you would have edited, do you think? Um, honestly, no, I think it's the end product was probably very close to what I had in mind the first time I read the script. If anything, we fleshed it out a little bit more. Um, there was parts of it that I didn't really foresee and it turned out to be great. For example, there's like a chase scene towards the end. And, um, as we were filming it, I had one plan in mind and, somebody grabbed a GoPro and threw it on the back of the van. And all of a sudden we had this additional angle, which I think from a comedy point of view really helped the story as well. That was very natural. There was a lot of struggling there in that chase scene. And that was, <laughs> I think that was natural from our lead actor's point of view. But um, no, I think we ended up with more than I'd kind of bargained for. And Honestly, yeah, we probably could have made a longer film, but I, I think we hit probably the sweet spot on timing, not going over the 10 minute mark sort of thing. Oh, it's, that helped. It does. I think programmers like a shorter, hmm. shorter film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think, no, I think I was really happy with how it turned out, to be honest. And uh, each scene has a very different sort of mood. Um, so you're never left too long feeling a certain way before you're kind of flipped on to the next one. So I, honestly, no, I was really happy with how it turned out. And yeah, I think the fact that we were under such a time pressure probably helped. There was no, you know, needless shooting done. It was very much to the point we got what we needed in the time that we needed. And I think that really helped actually. Brilliant. The editing really elevated that story, I think significantly, because like it's it, when you're, when you have a, a short film, um, you're working with, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's story in its simplest form. It's very minimal. You don't have, you're not, you don't have ABC stories. It's literally just the one thing that you've got to get across. And it'd be very easy in a lot of instances to kind of, for that to end up being very bland, but the edit for this elevated, really good writing to, I, I found, like I found watching it, I was like, this is incredibly well edited. Like it was really good. I think, I think Shane Robinson is, it is definitely someone that, uh, that I've, noticed before that I want to work with he's an incredibly talented guy so yeah it's, it's definitely a this is another string to his bow because it's that the editing for the for that film is very very good yeah and again like as, as we keep coming back to especially with comedy like the timing is 
everything and you can have the funniest setup on the planet and if it's just off by beat too too quick or too fast like you miss it so it, it definitely works so well and what about yourself Adam how did you find like was there any kind of darlings I'd say it's tough like Jesus getting a feature across the line like you no, know, with all the money in the world I'm sure you have to compromise everywhere but um like just what you managed to get was incredible but just was there anything behind the scenes that you would have liked if you had have had more time more money to explore or was there anything that ended up getting cut there was a a number of scenes that that ended up getting cut for time the film was initially two hours long and to be honest it's it's, it's just way too long for for the story that was that was in it you know like there's no there's no reason to be sitting through two hours of millennials hemming and hawing about what they're going to do about a potential apocalypse apocalypse that they're not sure whether or not it's really happening or not so um yeah there were a few there were a few scenes with some of my favorite characters that I was like look this is I wrote this because I found it funny and it was there for me but does it need to be in this story no okay well you know I'll have to I'll have to just take it out um we again with the for the fact that we spent so much time in post-production we took the time to do a um a test screening um, and we put out a questionnaire to the audience that we uh, that we're, we we're, were gracious enough to come in and and give us their opinions. And um, so we were able to see, OK, you know, which characters do people really love? Who were they not so hot on? And um, and, you know, which parts of the story did they feel kind of waned and which ones were most more exciting? So we were able to kind of really, really be like, as I say, you know, with the amount of time that I had to edit because um, I did the editing myself. Um, I was really able to kind of be cutthroat and go, okay, I'm going to like really study this film, you know, as it's my first film, really get the most out of it, uh, use it as a sort of a a learning experience. And um, yeah, there were a number of scenes um, that either I, it was either shortened via changing the pacing of certain scenes or else like there were small sections that were literally just cut out of the film completely. But it means that when I inevitably, inevitably make the sequel, it means I can throw some of those jokes back in at some point or the, or the remake the american remake. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's it starring tom cruise <laughs> tom cruise, tom cruise oh, wow. as, a, as a dh millennial with a face. <laughs> doing all his own effects, so <laughs> he can smooth out his face um no but just i'm just that's a very interesting process that you have mentioned because uh like I, I don't know many people who've done their first feature who who's actually done what are they called like it's like a they're almost like an audience testing they have like a proper name but like you know like marvel screen movie. test yeah screen test yeah but it's a good <laughs> idea to have it that to have it that because i mean a lot of people will show their film to their friends and your friends aren't going to go oh i don't know about that bit or so it's a good kind of way to kind of just detach yourself so people can just go honestly well I didn't care for that but were there any answers that really surprised you because I I find that sometimes as well like if I do something I'll be really attached to this notion of it and people be like I hate that I hate that person they're a dick and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) it's my favorite character (laughs) (laughs) no I mean some of it was kind of what I expected certainly um Tyke Devery who plays a character called the Chi um he's essentially you know the, the, the comic relief characters would be Jay and Chi uh but I knew that um 
Jay's comedy is more physical. She has all the one-liners. And so I knew that he would be the one that kind of would get an awful lot of attention. We're like, we love this guy. We love this guy. And he's so, Tyg is such an incredible actor and he's so versatile as well. Like I've had him play uh, serious roles in other films and um, he's just, he's, he's immense. But um, I think that uh, I was surprised that um, the character uh, of Kate, who's the, the female guard, um, a lot of the guy, a lot of the responses were, we love her, we love her. And I was like, wow. And I think that's just testament to Christina Ryan as an actress as well, because I kind of, I wrote that character in such a way where I don't, I don't think you're supposed to know. Well, for me, the way I wrote it was, you're not really supposed to know how you feel about her in the beginning until we kind of see where the relationship with herself and uh, Robbie went when we, as we start to un, you know, reveal kind of how that, how that relationship ended. And um, but no, everyone was just was kind of there's a lot of people saying they really, really loved her. And, and it's just got to be the strength of, of her performance. She is an incredible actress. And don't so, tell yeah. yourself short. There was a moment <laughs> of um, there was like a beat of writing. And I remember just going, oh, that's very clever where she's you know, she's initially she's written as like the ex. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's almost like the bland ex and things didn't work out. And you're like, oh, OK, and you can kind of go, you know, they're almost like a stereotypical role. But you do some very clever things with her character development, like a revealing it so slowly so that you see actually she's a completely rounded character. Like she has her own wants, thoughts, ideas, desires that she that she goes after. But I even think that moment where she. Oh, you're playing with what's expected it's a really funny little subtle beat and I was like and it, it speaks to her character like she's you know <laughs> she's just a guard like she's not used to doing stuff like that so I don't sell yourself short in that that was I thought that was very good writing yeah I, thank you so much I do I do feel like um like on in retrospect I, I I'm glad that at least as far as my writing is concerned that, that those things were considered as I went along because it probably would have been very easy just to focus on the, the, the four main family members and 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 their story but I, I I do think that it was essential to have that character in there where it's like these four are you know late 20s early 30s um, who really still have no idea what they're doing in life whereas Kate very much is the foil in that she 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 has goals she has dreams she's going for them and even when she gets in over her head like you said you know she obviously in that situation she's like she's doing what she has to do but also she's like it's she's completely overwhelmed by it um but yeah so she she is that strong character where it's like this is kind of this is who you're supposed to be in life this is who you should be kind of admiring and and uh, and the others are just learning you know um that they've they've been too pampered and uh, and taken the the comfortable avenue um in life and um yeah so i like i suppose yeah you're right that's i, I would imagine yeah there's a significant uh, amount of of admiration for her who probably comes from the fact that she is the she's the moral backbone of the story yeah but but not in a kind of unwritten preachy way like it just in a way that she feels like a real round person and is enjoyable to watch which i do feel not all films do that with their non with their supporting lead female actresses mm-hmm. so i just i would be keeping an eye out for that and i was like well done adam I really <laughs> <laughs> so i anyway that was very well very well done hmm. So, yeah, so really lovely. So, oh, I, I, I could chat to everybody, but I'm so aware I've kept you for long enough. I do want to ask a little bit about um, how the films have been received so far. 
because I know not everyone would have gotten to see them in cinemas a lot people, and we, we touched on that very briefly before we started recording but I do think it's 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 part of the filmmaking process is, is getting it seen by people so I'll actually start with um Len and Lara if you could just tell me a little bit about um so this film this or this um special was broadcast which is which is kind of I've I've heard of people that I you know they were saying like the feedback isn't as quick with things that are broadcast like people aren't as immediate to back to you and say oh my god we love this on on Twitter or did you find people were like actually that really spoke to me how was the response I'll let you take it Len and then I'll <laughs> yeah okay um uh, it's it was um streamed and it's still up there on the on the Swearnet website and they have a message board oh brilliant so, okay yeah. so you so do we got to see, as, as people as people watched it we got to see their comments and the thing about this this whole website is based on trailer park boys which is a very specific show with a very specific audience and they they didn't know what this was because it wasn't what they were used to. It wasn't Trailer Park Boys. What is this? But after a while, <clears throat> the, the, they seem to come around. And then, like I said, the, Tracy Martina have their own base. So all their fans went to this streaming service, which they didn't know existed, and, and went on there. But uh, so it was uh, very well received. And uh and we got we got a lot of good feedback about it. So and then so we have a series out of it now. That's amazing, and that's such a that's such an interesting um, model as well because it's just that that little bit into the future. I'm sure we'll all be there soon. Yeah. But like that, like in a film festival, you're sitting in a room normally with people, so you can gauge their reaction. But actually, yeah, like and then people were saying, unless people you know take to Reddit which they normally either do if they hate it or love it or Twitter or something like that, which normally, you know, it's, it's just the polar extremes. So that's yeah. really interesting. So you'll get people's, that must've been awful as well though, because no matter <laughs> what you do, no matter what you do, someone is always not going to like it. Like, well, the, the thing is you could, you could put a tweet out there that says flowers are nice and somebody's yeah. going to hate on you. So <laughs> I kind of expect that to happen. Pushing your liberal agenda. Like you're going to oh, yeah, some, yeah, snotty, yeah. some snotty, some <laughs> snotty, I don't like this, so I hate you, and you're right. Right. <laughs> yeah. stupid. So you know, we were expecting that anyway. But uh, yeah, we, we. I was going to say another nice thing about the streaming service is that we didn't have to decide if this was going to be thirty minutes or an hour and a half, and it came in like an hour and one minute or something. So, but it's just because we shot a lot of stuff and we liked it all, right? So we didn't have to make many painful decisions as to, well, we got to take this character out and things like that. But uh, anyway, the question was about feedback, Clara, if you want to. Well, in the nature of the audience that we do have on SwearNet, um, we get feedback with extra colorful language, hence the name (laughs) SwearNet. So sometimes you'd be reading a comment and you'd be going, oh, <laughs> people write that stuff? And it's usually the negative ones that are the most colorful. So uh, as a director, you all know, when you when you put out your film, you're like, I hope people like it. And I, we were feeling pretty confident, but it was almost more entertaining <laughs> to see the comments that were coming in. Um, 
it's a really interesting platform and it is I think in some ways the, the way of the future which is why SquareNet's expanding their brand um, but it's harder from our end to really see what the feedback is they probably have all of the um, you know the algorithm algorithms and the dynamics and all the live feed stuff somewhere on a server and they obviously know what it is because they commissioned more they commission like that's the money talks that's the that's the most important thing at the end of the day so they were obviously delighted and engagement is engagement like exactly you know if people are kind of hate watching something but they're but it's getting to them and they're going oh but i do like this it's funny how people can turn then and become diehard <laughs> fans really i haven't heard the term hate watch <laughs> just that one <laughs> but it's right we had a, a lot especially in the christmas special because it was so quirky yeah. I, I, you know puppets and celtic music and um some a lot of kind of swearing and a family dynamic and we definitely had hate watchers, but it's funny because well, I know people that- turn like people will turn. They'll actually go, I don't really mind it, and then they'll be like, Oh, actually, you should watch this. It's not that bad, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and yeah. you'll see gradually turn. And I think a lot of the the um, the comments made people go watch it too because they'd be like, What is everybody? Why are why is everybody saying this sucks? This is amazing. When you have anytime you have like this is amazing and this is hideous for the same thing, I get curious. Mm-hmm. all press is good press yeah. yeah exactly so yeah it, it is it's a really unique um way to present something knowing that it's not actually out in the world so normally you make a film you put it in film festivals you hope people see it it gets accepted to more film festivals maybe a broadcaster picks it up maybe it gets featured on some stuff this it just lives where it lives so and, and maybe there might be an aftermarket sales to, you know, I, I mean, I would love Netflix to pick it up, obviously, because and I think it's kind of brandy for uh, for a Christmas special or something unusual. But I think it's, time will tell what happens. But I do think these two comedians, um, Justine and Greg, are probably at the beginning of very long careers in comedy. They're both very they're just full of. They, they have other characters. These are the two characters that have succeeded the most and they're the ones that we're running with, obviously. But it's, yeah, I really think that they're, we're going to be seeing them for a very long time in Canada. Yeah, they're great. They have great chemistry and I, I love their, they have a very kind of natural way of chatting about stuff or sometimes I'm like I don't even know what they're saying but they're just they're so dismissive of one another in a really charismatic way. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll run with this. But um. And yourself. So Bevan, you've done a big festival run, but a lot of them have been online. Did you get to see it in person? Um, well, personally, I didn't, but I did screen at one point, <laughs> very briefly. There was a brief moment and we got it into a cinema as part of the Dublin International Short Film and Music Festival. And I unfortunately didn't get to attend, but some of the crew did. And yeah, it was a nerve wracking kind of wait to hear the feedback from them, but they just said went down a treat. You know, there was lots of laughs and that's all you can kind of hope for. Yeah. Um, and very early on as well, we did uh, one of the Toronto feedback film, uh, female film feedbacks. You know, it was like ticking all the boxes and they actually do like personal feedback audience responses. So we managed to get like actual, you know, 
people talking to camera telling you exactly what they thought of it and broke it down in their way and yeah you're talking you guys are talking about not being sure if the comedy will travel or the stories will travel but that was like a huge thing I, I had no idea you know it's very much Dublin based and yeah if you're from there you see all those sites and you recognize them um but I think the story of being in a lockdown and then starting to have these infatuations and you know having a new world in this very small confined space that just seems to be a universal feeling of being kind of trapped and then only having very small interactions with people um they become so meaningful so that definitely translated well and yeah everyone just seemed to get it they just got exactly what we were trying to say and you did a lot of um there wasn't huge amounts of dialogue which I actually think really makes that sort of humor travel further do you know like people don't have to kind of concentrate or, or do anything like it's 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 all in the emotion where I think that definitely like like it's it's a testament as well to your ability for visual storytelling um because all everything all those little moments and beats were were there but I and it yeah was, trying to get the balance especially in kind of in the opening scene it, it wanted to make it feel like you're really kind of creeping into this personal space and you're invading someone else's space where they don't know you're there because they're completely on their own and they're completely being themselves so there are moments where this lead character is on her own and she's talking to herself as if no one else is watching but then yeah you are on your own so you're not always talking to someone so yeah you're seeing someone at their most vulnerable I guess um, and yeah, it seemed to be a feeling that a lot of people could relate to, <laughs> thankfully for us, but unfortunately for everyone else. <laughs> and uh, Adam, yours especially, because I think um, horror fans and it's it's a real love letter to the genre as well. You know, like it's it's yeah. a very aware film and I'm sure like horror fans are their own beast. You know, yeah. they really like. You can't pull one over on them. You can't trick them. Like they just know their stuff so well, but they're diehard. So I, I'm just wondering, how did you find the response? I think uh, uh, again, uh, a huge, a huge factor for me. I think uh, aside from from the performances, which I, you know, I'm so indebted to the actors, but I think the music really did an awful lot to save kind of whether um, it kind of helps it toe the line in terms of it, it doesn't it doesn't fit into just one genre, you know? So like it very much has drama elements, comedy elements and horror elements. Um, and the music really sets the tone for whenever we're going into, you know, whatever kind of scene we're going into, the music is doing that job, which was tremendous. So I, uh, when I sat down, the very first time I sat down to watch, the only time I've actually sat down to watch it in front of an audience was we had a, a private screening in Burr in Offaly because we shot most of the film in Offaly. And, um, and from the very first scene, as soon as I was absolutely, you know, was, I'd never been more, more nervous in my life. I, it's, anyone who knows me will tell you I'm the most arrogant, cocky guy you'll come across. I don't normally sweat anything, but I was sitting there in the cinema just like, <laughs> I didn't know what to it's do with myself. And, yeah. And I was, it was, it was awful. But then as soon as the first person laughed in that, in the first scene, I was like, right, I can calm down now. It's grand. Because once the, this is the thing that I'm going to, I will, I, I've realized in that moment and I will always remember for the rest of the films that I make you need to make sure you get a really good laugh at the beginning, because as soon as the first person laughs, everyone else feels like they've been given permission to laugh. Yeah. So that you're not kind of sitting there going, Is the, it, was that funny or not funny? It's like, if you find it funny now, it's okay, because everyone's laughed at something else. You can just laugh at whatever you want now. Do you know what I mean? So it, it, that, that just meant I, I kind of, I could be at ease. 
and then the laughs just kept rolling you know throughout the film then from, from that point on so it was so much easier just to sit back and chill and just take it in um and then obviously since then um you normally with a, a festival run you get a maximum of, of two years if you want to kind of just keep it going um so we we started putting the film out at the uh, it was literally the last month of uh 2020 so we still technically have um until the end of this year um to continue our festival run but we've already uh we've had so much success like globally um we've won awards in in seattle in uh, in spain uh fright night film festival kentucky over in russia in galas comedy film festival and the really strange thing is like you were saying about kind of pleasing the horror fans but it's the fact that we were able to win awards in comedy festivals and horror festivals yeah. you know what i mean it's just like we were able, you know it, it's i was concerned especially before the music went in and kind of make made, made me feel a bit more comfortable about it i was concerned that people would say this film doesn't know what it wants to be <laughs> Do you know what i mean because we weren't kind of straddling one genre but you also have um the the kind of heightened genre uh political statements which mm-hmm. is- like I mean if, if it was yeah yeah but I mean yeah. if it was kind of in the works that around 2017 it is sort of representative of the turmoil of the world it's just so happened like the world got worse just <laughs> which is you know terrible for the world but great for your film yeah absolutely that was actually that so again unfortunately every single festival that we've been in so far has either been abroad and I couldn't go um because of traveling restrictions or uh, it was exclusively online, so I've yet to see it in front of an you know an audience since the since that private screening. Um, but the the very very first one that we were in was the Kerry International Film Festival, which was it was that was the fact that we got into Kerry and the fact that we are now in the Dublin Comedy Film Festival as well means so much to us because I had always had this sense that there's a biblical maximum that says you cannot be a prophet in your own hometown. So like you have to kind of, you, you have to get recognized somewhere else before people are in your own area will kind of give you any credit. Oh, but that's whereas, very true for the whole industry. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> so for, so for Kerry to be the first ones to, to, to have selected the film and then they gave us the best feature film award. And you know, it's that, that, that is still to this day, the most important one that we've got. And then they even, when they made the announcement, they did their online announcements as well. And when they came to us, they made a point of saying that it was, it's, that it's funny, it's Irish, and it was very, very relevant. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, obviously it made a big, it, it, it is a big deal that it's been released now during these crazy times. Um, so yeah, as uh, you know, as, as much as there's so much negative can come from it, I'm, I'm blessed to have found, you know, uh, some, joy in, in you know in, in this crazy situation we're in so just while you're saying that actually are you in talks with and i know you probably can't until things are finalized or anything are you in talks about distribution now mm-hmm. about getting this out there are yeah. you selling it yourself or do you have uh and because i know you're the producer of this as well yeah, i am yeah yeah no i've been in talks with that uh, there is a streaming service um over in the United States that are they're brand new but they're basically like they're pitching themselves as kind of the opposite of Hollywood uh, where kind of instead of instead of there being a particular political agenda which tends to be at the background of all of Hollywood films these days that you know that you've got to you've got to tick certain boxes or else you're not going to get funding they they're kind of pitching themselves as look we, we, we want to put the creator first we don't want to put we don't want to put politics first. We want whatever the creator wants to create, let creativity just flourish in and of, of itself based on 
the individuals, uh, you know, their own lives and what they're bringing to the table, not kind of like having to, having to kind of go, okay, what, what does the, what does the market want? Or, you know, what do, what do these studios want? So those guys at the moment, like they, they watched Follow the Dead and they absolutely loved it. Um, and they said it was exactly what they wanted. So at the moment they're, they're doing their the beta test for their, for the actual platform. And um, once they've got everything up and running and they know that it's not going to collapse at any point that they, you know, all of the uh, kind of engineering side of things has been taken care of, then it's going to, the follow the day is going to launch with them. So yeah, what's the name of the streaming service? <laughs> We'll, we'll, we're gonna make, we'll make an announcement uh, at some point very soon. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good point to go. Can I um, get the social media accounts or websites or anywhere where um, people can uh, follow your films or your own work? Um, Adam, since we're... Uh, okay, so you can check out uh, everything about Follow the Dead on followthedead.com. Um, but you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Follow the Dead movie at follow the dead movie yeah and then um wildstack productions is then my production company so wildstackproductions.com is also another place that you can check uh, out what, what what else we've got going on and what services we can provide for any filmmakers out there and uh on instagram twitter and facebook it's at wildstack media perfect and uh len uh we're exclusively at uh, swearnet.com and it costs a dollar ninety nine to to sign up. Dollar ninety nine US. I don't know why it's US because company's based here. But anyway, they they have a lot of fans in you in the states, I guess. Uh, so you just have to join up for a month, and uh, you can watch the Christmas special plus the new six part series, which, which will is premiere? which started we started premiering it in uh, December, and. They started this crazy thing where you can't just watch them all at the same time. You have to wait a week before you see each episode, just like the good old days. <laughs> so very I, vintage. Yeah, <laughs> four episodes now, but uh, they're released every Tuesday, so they'll they'll be there. They'll all be there in the next couple of weeks. Fabulous. Okay, and Bevan. Well, we are a very small team, so we don't have anywhere in particular, but it will be streaming as part of the Dublin International Comedy Film Festival in the Irish short films too. Uh, it's actually called Don't Get Cocky. I'm not really sure <laughs> who exactly that's uh, targeted at, but I think, I think there's like um, eight other shorts a part of that. So yeah, definitely, I'd really encourage anyone to jump into that and see all those amazing films. Brilliant, yeah. So that's Dublin International Comedy Film Fest dot com and it's dciff or no it's dicff and they have a jam packed <laughs> lineup of online events for you to choose on so they've over 50 films streaming over three days and plenty of online zoom events so i think we'll be hosting a panel as well of um filmmakers so a live one so so keep an eye out for that i think that that should be on the 21st but i'm sure it'll be available um throughout the festival after that so yeah get your get your tickets that's the D-I-C-F-F um, and just I'll do the website one more time so it's Dublin International Comedy Film Fest.com so um, thank you guys so much for chatting with us that was so interesting I, I swear to God like I've kept you for so long and I could listen to you all, all day like I have about 10 other questions that I'm just not going to ask so thank you so much it was lovely to chat to you thank, thank you very nice thank you nice to see you all